Welcome to Sport Faith Life. I'm Chad Carlson. And I'm Brian Bolt. We're two guys from rival schools who came together with one common purpose, to think deeply about sport and faith. We're sports scholars, we're coaches, and we're competitive athletes, or at least we were. And together we've created Sport Faith Life, a conversation that meets at the intersection of sport and faith. Ever wonder if Jesus played sports? Well, we do too. For these next six episodes on the Sport Faith Life podcast, Chad and I play with the idea of Jesus playing sports. We pick six sports to explore one at a time, asking ourselves, what about the sport speaks to humanity in unique ways? What are the goods inherent in the sport? We do bring a caution or two, but mainly we celebrate sport by imagining Jesus in uniform. So let's get started. In the wide spectrum of sports that we have, we're excited to talk about one in our third of series of six, Would Jesus Play X Sport or Y Sport? This is one, Brian, that um, we, you know, it, this wouldn't be in a top 10 most popular around the world, I don't think, but it is a burgeoning sport that uh, is really captivating a lot of people in America, at least, and there's something to that. So we thought this might be a good one for us to talk about. You know, it feels like it's growing at a really rapid pace here in the United States, and it is. I, I think, um, you know, addition of, of 20% uh, folks annually, I mean, which is really adding people to the sport. And I, I think I also read that 37 other countries are experiencing or have a um, a chapter or organization mm -hmm. that recognizes this sport. So I, I'm a I don't know how narrow it's going to be. I think around the world it's starting to pick up. So that's great. And of course, the sport we're talking about here is pickleball. pickleball. And I know there are people listening right now that are saying, did you say that right? Is that possible <laughs> that, that is, that that's actually a sport, pickleball? And the answer is yes, it is a, it is a sport. It uh, is not an Olympic sport, at least yet. It's not recognized or it hasn't been picked up by intercollegiate or interscholastic sports in the United States, but it is taking over parks and recreation. Maybe that's some of its value, right? It's taken over uh, a lot of tennis courts uh, in the United States have been converted to pickleball courts and every new park uh, is building a pickleball court. Uh, you can go on a vacation. Uh, you can go on a cruise and have it be a pickleball cruise. Uh, mm -hmm. Amazingly, um, this thing has really taken over. So for those that don't know, I feel like I need to explain this one maybe a little bit more than most. Uh, pickleball is a net game. And, uh, you know, when, the, when you're in the world of sports, you have ways of categorizing games, invasion games, field games, and net games. And, you know, net and wall games kind of go together. Racquetball, squash, those are wall games. And then net games are volleyball and table tennis and tennis, uh, badminton. You know, those types of sports where you're separated from your opponent by a net and the strategies are, are somewhat similar for those. Pickleball is uh, played with a paddle and what's called a wiffle ball. And the court is a bit smaller than a tennis court, but it, it's pretty similar in look to a tennis court. It's just much smaller dimensions. So uh, hopefully that helps you picture what's happening in pickleball. I, I imagine we'll get into some of the particulars as we get going. But yeah, there's there's pickleball. And, and in this one, Chad, both you and I play. 
We do. That's a fun one for us. Like there's so many sports we talk about where either you play or I play, either right. you like it or don't like it, or I like it or don't like it. Yeah, this is a good one. This is one where where you can play regularly and it, it feels a little bit like mini tennis, but it has it sort of nuanced rules that, that make it different and unique and, and really that make it um, a sport that people of all ages do play regularly, you know, much like other racket sports. And so it's been, this is one that I think is uh, is really timely for us to be talking about. I think it is. I think a lot of people are playing. And if you're not playing, you are thinking about playing because other people are asking you. So we'll take it from there. Chad, would you like to go first today? Would you give us your first uh, answer to the question, would Jesus play pickleball and why? Yeah, sure. My first positive answer here. So <laughs> this one has to do a little bit with, um, well, it, it speaks to sort of my my background playing racket sports. So I, I played quite a bit of tennis growing up. I would consider myself a tennis player uh, no longer, but I was at one point in time. And I played a lot of doubles. And really, pickleball seems to be more popular, at least uh, in my circles, as a doubles sport than as a single sport. A lot of people play singles yet, but sort of as a doubles sport. Um, one of the things that that is important when playing pickleball is to try to get up to the net. And when all four players are up at the net playing doubles, um, you know, that's kind of where you want to be. One of the strategies that can be, uh, that can be, I guess, um, described in, in one phrase, the phrase is this down the middle solves the riddle. And so, you know, Brian, I don't know if you heard that or not, but this is, this is sort of something that I, I had always heard playing tennis. That is, when you're up at the net with your partner and your opponents are both up at the net and you have a shot and you have the opportunity to put a volley, you know, one place or another, oftentimes the best place to put it is right down the middle of the court in between your two opponents. Cause oftentimes it's hard for them to get to, but also they might question who's going to get it and therefore be too late for it. Or they both swing at it thereby, you know, ruining their shot. So down the middle solves the riddle. And I think that there's a parallel there to faith <laughs> and that is all right i can't wait um, to hear this yeah here's here's the parallel so we can talk about ethics i think some people would say jesus is you know the driving force in, in christian in christian ethics others would say uh jesus was so radical we, we don't really look to him for ethics although we model our behavior after his but if we're going to talk about consistent ethics he's not exactly the best the best model even though he is the model of how we how we behave uh, i think there's something this, to be said about you know focusing on something straight down the middle and that's solving the riddle. That is when you're confronted with decisions, how should I act this way or that way? There's one spot and it's right down the middle for how you should act in the Christian faith. And that's following Jesus and something about being a straight arrow, something about being down the middle, not worrying about things on the periphery, but keeping your focus on things going down the middle and having that solve any problem you might have down the middle solves the riddle. I like it. You know, uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make you hit it down the middle. Down the middle to solve yeah. the riddle. <laughs> and solve the riddle. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that uh, was a little paraphrase on uh, scripture, but fairly close, fairly close. And I understand, right? So first, just to the game itself, um, I'm left-handed. So it messes hey. with that a little bit. Uh, yeah. When I play with my partner and I have, uh, unlike uh, my running, where I never quite entered a tournament, I have entered a couple of pickleball tournaments okay. and I have this regular partner that I played with. And when our forehands are to the middle, boy, are we good, right? Mm -hmm. that, is, that is the time when our backhands are to the middle, 
then that definitely solves the riddle for right. our opponents. So, <laughs> yeah, without question, uh, that whole idea of the strategy of hitting it down the middle, I think um, you learn that in, you know, it, and you tend to think, oh, I got to get to the periphery, right? I got to get to mm -hmm. the sidelines. Mm -hmm. But I think what your parallels there between it and Christian faith uh, are pretty timely as well, right? We're trying to figure out where the church is kind of in the midst of a pretty uh, polarized society, you know, a, a society that is trying to figure out. And often the answer is not to choose one side or the other necessarily. The answer is to remain faithful. And that faithfulness I would describe as, as down the middle, uh, not really answering the same questions in the same way, not even not even asking the same questions, right? We, we often get uh, deviated off our path by moving in one particular direction without asking the right questions and uh, bringing, bringing it back to those central things that Jesus often brought it back to, who also lived in a very polarized society uh, and even among those who followed him, there were lots of factions and folks that uh, disagreed with each other. Even the, the community of Jewish people uh, had their variations, right? The, the zealots said, let's go get them, right? And the, the Essenes said, no, let's pull away and start our own community. And there were lots of different folks that had different ideas. And Jesus was able to speak to all of them in some ways, not by being sort of this milquetoast nothing, right? But to, by staying central to the purpose and central to the focus. I really like that. Down the middle solves the riddle. That's right. Yeah. No, I like you said, that's not an ameliorative position at all. It's, it's just about staying, staying anchored, staying true. So, Brian, I am looking forward to hearing your first reason. Yeah, I, I, I'm tempted to go with more about the game, but I'm going to talk instead because we often end with this type of uh, reason that Jesus might play this sport. But, but for this one, it's pretty unique. And I would call it the pickleball community. And maybe you've experienced this as well. And I'm going to contrast it first because we're both basketball players. We grew up playing basketball. We played competitive basketball. You know, and there's organized competitive basketball, but there's such a thing as pickup basketball. And the culture of pickup basketball, whether indoor or outdoor, and I played a ton of park basketball to try to get better. I would go to parks and play. Uh, you know, play on those double rims with the with the chain nets. Uh, tough to shoot, tough. Uh, but anyway, it, those were really exclusive communities. In other words, if you went there and stood there and had your ball in your hand and you were ready to play, there's not a single person who would invite you in um, from the moment you got there. It was pretty dog eat dog in terms of getting yourself on the court and getting yourself to stay on the court. So the winner stays. Um, and the circumstance was such that you had to really elbow your way into playing. I mean, you had to wait often to just get a chance. And I contrast that with um, when I went to England, and basketball was not a big deal. And I remember going to play basketball, and people were really welcoming. And I thought, wait a minute, this is basketball. What's going on here? Well, the truth is, it just didn't have uh, – it wasn't – looking for new players. There were just plenty of them. It was supply and demand. And in pickleball, it has been in such a place where it has wanted to grow. I mean, pickleball has been around since the 60s. I mean, it's been around for a long time. And the fact that it just now blew up is kind of interesting. But when you go play pickleball, the first thing you'll experience are friendly people. Friendly people that want to invite you onto the court, 
They want to uh, teach you the game if you haven't played before. They'll mix up partners. Amazingly, it's not like us versus you, right? They'll they'll uh, if you're playing doubles and you came with two people, then they'll mix it up and and make the game more fair and competitive. So it's really interesting how this community has uh, it's, uh, sort of perpetuated itself. So it doesn't matter what court you go to, uh, folks are inviting, uh, gracious, um, and just trying to, to grow the community. And I think that, uh, you know, Jesus represented that. Jesus was, was constantly going from place to place, and there wasn't a spirit of exclusivity at all. In fact, he was often uh, criticized for embracing people he shouldn't have embraced, at least according to them. And so Jesus's ability to connect with people, no matter who they were in whatever context and invite them in was really one of his calling cards. And it's similar to the community of pickleball. Yeah, I could certainly see Zacchaeus being invited in to play pickleball and having a hard time getting on the court at a playground for basketball. I could see that uh, something about, yeah, something that's welcoming, something about the interest in growing the community, you know, whether that's on the minds of the people who are at the pickleball courts or not, you know, whether they're trying to do uh, do their share to grow the game's popularity by inviting people or, or not. I think there's just, I agree with that. I think there's something about the culture of pickleball. And I think there's something about the way in which we, we grow as individuals, too, by being in a community like that, that is inviting. And um, that's really interesting. I, I think that it's in some ways what you're describing is like the young life model of, hey, let's get people yeah. in the doors and and then get them to experience this particular culture. And, and we hope that they'll grow deeply from there. You know, uh, pickleball seems to be that way. Let's get people in the doors. Let's take them from tennis, take them from other other uh, rackets. Let's take them just uh, even if they haven't played any sports, you know, pull them in. There's, there's something for everybody here and um, experience the fun and the joy of playing the game and then you know, see where it goes from there. I, I think there's something to that. I think there's... Um, yeah, I really like that answer. That's that's good. That's a good way to start us off here, Brian. I mean, that's that. Yeah, the, the community is just uh, that's good. Yeah, well, well, thanks. And I think that generosity um, is just so overwhelming. At least that's what I've noticed. That it, that it's kind of surprising uh, because sports don't tend to be that inclusive to the opponent, to the other side. I mean, people still try to to play hard and and compete and beat you, uh, but. In terms of uh, what happens after the, the game, they're, they're, it's very friendly and people mix it up and, and get to know you. So it's, a, it's very much a community experience uh, with sport included. So I, I think it's really, uh, yeah, it's, it's unusual. And I feel like the people that, I've, that I know are deeper, the deeper people get into pickleball circles, the more they embrace the inclusiveness of, of the community. And that's been a really fun thing for me that when I see people who play well, uh, oftentimes the better that they are, the, the more generous and gracious they are, uh, you know, when they experience pickleball. So I, I, there's something, something there, something in the water, something on the court, I guess, something in the paddles. Yeah. And I know we, we have to get on to our next one, but, but as I'm thinking about it too, there's actually some generosity in just playing against an opponent who is inferior. And you'll see this happen all the time where, it could be possible that you put the ball away, but as people are learning, you keep it in play and give opportunities for people to get better. And that's 
sort of understood. Nobody says we're going to do this, but it just sort of happens in pickleball. If it, one side is much better than the other, you sort of keep it going. Um, and ultimately, I think that serves the purpose. It's it, not one team is trying to crush another. It's just really interesting uh, how that's played out, especially in, in recreational pickleball. I mean, in tournaments, things are a little bit different, but for sure, in recreational pickleball, there's an accommodating of uh, the skill level. So I think that's kind of interesting. So I think that kind of takes me to my second one. So I'll let yeah. me let me do yeah. that. Yeah. So what I if you've played racket sports before, and I've played a lot of racket sports, and I've coached, uh, not coached, but I've taught racket sports uh, quite a bit. And uh, they're not incredibly intuitive. In other words, they're challenging. Uh, uh, to try to teach someone to effectively serve a badminton birdie is really difficult. I, I've had a, people just swing and miss multiple times. Uh, tennis is incredibly frustrating. The ball is very bouncy. The racket is super responsive, and it takes a perfect hit in the sweet spot to even get a rally going. Tennis is extremely frustrating to uh, get to a level where you can have a rally going. You have to be quite good, actually, in tennis to keep that going. And what's really interesting about pickleball is I've played with just about everyone. I teach my family. Um, I teach my extended family, older, younger, all types of folks, and even those that are really reluctant to play sports. And it's amazing how quickly you can pick this sport up and get to the level of play. In fact, uh, you can get to a rally even with people that just have very little athletic experience, very little racket sword experience uh, within the first game. Just throw it, hit it over to them and bounce. And, and maybe it's a function of the, the shortness of the paddle. It's Maybe it's the deadness of the ball as it comes off the racket. Maybe it's the low net that makes it a bit more accommodating. But for some reason, this sport is uh, a quick ramp up for novices. And I think of Jesus, right? Jesus uh, did not go after the talented. Jesus did not seek out those that had the greatest amount of education, those that were most prepared to, to learn and listen and deliver a gospel message. Jesus dealt with folks that were pretty bad at pickleball. You know, he, he invited disciples to come and join him. And uh, it was a quick ramp up. It was jump on board and let's go. Uh, they didn't have uh, the educational background. They didn't have the reputation. Uh, they didn't have the skills to stand in front of people. They just had a willingness to participate. And so I guess I see that parallel in pickleball. I love that about pickleball, by the way. You can get to a high level, just like anything. You can get to a high level. But when you have a game like golf, most people quit because it's so frustrating so early. And pickleball, most people say, I want to play again after their first time. They can't believe that they're so functional so early. And I think that that in some ways parallels the Christian life. It's like a moment. You're in. Let's go. And then from there, there's good work to do. So there, there's my number two. So there's not an extensive orientation process, right? <laughs> for, for pickleball players or for That's Jesus' right. disciples, right? It was, it was A new just, player's class, right? Yeah. Exactly. You step in, you can play. I, I like that. I, and in fact, I've, I've seen some of that. So with with a, a lot of guys my age that I play with, I think the idea is that you can get so good so quick 
that I think they, like so many guys my age have visions of like really making a go of, of it. Like I can really, you know, I could really do something good here. And I, I think a little bit of that is, um, is the gold at the end of the rainbow. You know, it's just not, I'm, I'm just not sure that it's the reality, but the idea is what you're saying. Like I can get so far so quickly and it makes you feel so good about yourself with pickleball, but not everyone, you know, it actually has what they, what they think they have. And I think there's a parallel there too, right? There's that, that moment, um, where you're, you're drawn in and, and it's really exciting. Um, but yeah, that's absolutely right. And I, I just appreciate you bringing up that question about, um, the ways in which the disciples sort of came on board with Jesus, just say, hey, let's go, Let, let's do this, yeah. right? Let's go. Uh, you'll pick it up along the way, um, you know, to get better here and there, but, but let's play. That's absolutely right. And that's one thing I love being able to play with my family, my, my two younger kids who can pick this up in a way that it's just, it's harder to pick up tennis. Um, you know, pickleball, I would say maybe racquetball, is, which isn't as intuitive of a game, but you can just hit out. Like you yeah. can't, I think in pickleball, a lot of times you can just hit out and, and I think that's fun. Yeah. You know, you don't practice pickleball in your first experience. You play, you start it, it. There's a, there's a whole curricular and pedagogical approach to teaching, which is called games for understanding. And I always love that, right? Let's start the game and then you use the game to acquire those skills and strategies that are necessary to play it really well. And I think pickleball is perfect for that. You can actually play the game the first time you put your hands on a paddle and, uh, and in a lot of sports, you, you actually can't play, right? You, you, you can't participate in any meaningful way because the game's just too inaccessible for the early player. Yeah, the first time you pick up a, a racket, a paddle, you, you can play the game. And you should play the game, quite honestly. Right. That's, that's kind of the way yeah, you get into it. So. Yeah, I really like that access. So number two, Chad, you're, you're, I won't skip over it this time. Let's. Why don't we <laughs> go directly to Chad's second reason? <laughs> okay, here's my second one. Uh, I think there's a there's a parallel here, and I love I, I love the the way that this is such a central story in the Old Testament, where we have God's chosen people, uh, the Israelites, um, you know, escaping captivity in Egypt, and spending you know forty years uh, in in the desert. Uh, you know, awaiting uh, God's provision into this land of, of milk and honey, the promised land. Um, there's that middle area, the land in between, a, a place where uh, they knew they had to spend some time, but they're not comfortable there. And really, they're not, they know they're not supposed to be there. Uh, that eventually there's something greater, but it's the move from where they were, this time, this space in between, and then this, this place where they want to be. Uh, I love the way in which uh, pickleball explores each of those three spaces. You start at the baseline, uh, unless you're the, the serve returner's partner. But the goal is to get up to the net. That's really where you want to be. That's the land of milk and honey. And yet there's this land in between. And in tennis parlance, I was taught it a generation ago. It's called no man's land. I realize that's not exactly what it should be called. It's no person's land. Um, but in, in pickleball especially, I think, there's, there's, there's an, a greater opportunity to explore this no person's land, this area between the baseline that is the back end of the court and being right up near the no volley zone, you know, up near the net. Uh, you, can't, you can't run through that area to get to the promised land, to get up to the net, because if you do so, you're oftentimes going to run through shots and you're not going to hit the shot you want. Um, there are opportunities to get through it quickly, but Oftentimes, uh, being there is is a, a way to sort of uh, 
is good strategy as you're working your way up towards the net or stepping back to to protect yourself against an attack from the opponents. Um, and so there's these these three areas. That's the way I understand the game, and I think that really parallels sort of um, the, the 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 journey for the Israelites, the journey from captivity into that la- that land in between, and then getting to um, to the promised land. So I, I see that, and I think there's really something that's interesting and, and important to think about where we are on the court and what we're doing when we're in those particular areas. This is a spot we don't really want to be. It's this land in between but we know we have to move through it. We love to sprint through it, but sometimes that's not the best strategy. Sometimes we need to back up out of the promised land to be in that area where we're not really comfortable and really shouldn't be uh, in order to protect certain things, in order to allow certain things to happen. And then we continue you know, pushing forward. You know, there were a couple of moments in the escape from Egypt where there was a barrier to cross. Right there was a, a space, and one of those was the Red Sea, and the second one was the Jordan River, both both water. Um, and in both of those moments, the high amount of risk and dependence, right, was right there, and it was palpable. Right as they entered or got close or got cornered, really, by the Red Sea, with the Egyptian army behind them kind of breathing down their necks there was this moment like we're gonna we're gonna die here right this is this is gonna be the end um and there was deliverance in in that moment and at the i love the way ray vanderland kind of describes he's a um, fairly famous uh person in our circles who has spent a lot of time in israel explaining how the old testament uh really felt to those folks in the in the time that it happened and he, he brings folks to the Jordan River and said, you know, this this river is rushing. And and to be able to cross the Jordan River, you need to step in, right? You need to take that first step. And it feels like I'm going to be kind of rushing down the river. But no, you step in and that moment happens. But there is a moment of risk, much like in pickleball, when you, you are going to make that move up to the net, you're not sure if now is the time, right? You have to figure out if if this is the moment that I need to take this risk or leap of faith. And if I get there, uh, milk and honey, right? I, I, we mm-hmm. found our way to the net. The great fun of that game, right, is sort of your, you and your partner dominating the net, right? Having that space where you're getting things done. And But the game is played up there. It's tough for a lot of new people to figure that out. But you've got to get up there and you've got to find a way to win points from that space. So, yeah, very much so. I, I like that parallel, that... that uh, vision really of the three spaces the uh and the gap right the gap in the middle that we that is often um the place where we're stuck we're stuck at the baseline and uh we got to find our way to the net and and that takes a dependence and and uh faith absolutely it's safe at the baseline it doesn't lead to the type of prosperity that you can have when you're at the net uh, absolutely but yeah so I think there's, yeah, there's something to be said about that space. Anyways, I, let me move on to my third. Okay, great. Okay. So this has to do more with, I would say, character. Um, there's something that I love about pickleball that goes against um, what I was raised to to believe in value in, in sport. That is through my experiences. Like you you said, you're talking about playing pickup basketball at the playground. It's, it, it's a, a, there's, you need to be, in a certain way that's going to help you to do well. And that way is generally tougher, stronger, 
less sensitive. In some ways, it's sort of been, it's not totally, but some ways it's an anti-fruits of the spirit mm. ways about us, right? So in some of our sports, especially those that are invasion games where we're occupying the same space as our opponents, we need to, you know, I need to eat every square inch I can because otherwise my opponent will, and it's me versus the opponent. And so there's something that's combative that oftentimes I think is antithetical to, to the fruits of the spirit. Um, in, in pickleball, one of the beauties of this game, which has this no volley zone, which, uh, which we refer to in West Michigan as the kitchen, I believe other areas do as well. It's a seven foot space, uh, that extends from the net out back towards the baseline where you cannot stand and hit a ball out of the air. And this is so that people that try to get up to the net, like Brian and myself, you can't be right on top of the net that makes the game too easy for the people at the net than if you're that close. And so you're supposed to stand, there's a line that's seven feet away from the net. You have to stand behind that if you're going to hit it out, out of the air. What that means is for somebody that's at the baseline trying to approach the net is that there's a couple things you can do. One of those, and the thing that happens is tennis, is that you just blast the shot from the baseline as hard as you can and try to catch your opponents off guard or whatever else. A good pickleball player will be able to respond to that shot. And so one of the strategies to get from the baseline up towards the net, towards that no volley zone in pickleball, is to hit a touch shot or a dink shot where you're hitting it so that it just goes over the net. You're hitting it softer, but it goes just over the net and lands or falls down below the net before your opponent can reach it or get to it so that they can't hit a hard shot in return. Because if they hit it hard, they'd have to hit it up. And physics would say that they can't hit it as hard going up as they can hit it if they were hitting down on the ball. So there's something that's, that's unique, uh, not fully unique to, to pickleball, but unique compared to a lot of other sports that there is a, a gentleness this dink shot requires a touch that just is counterintuitive to me as a tennis person and to me as someone who's played a lot of sports where power and strength and athleticism really helps that to hit this gentle shot is oftentimes the best strategy and i love that because gentleness is a fruit of the spirit to hit a gentle shot and even at the net sometimes you have to rely on your touch it's a gentle shot now brian might be thinking you're crazy. Golf is like this. There's gentleness, there's touch. And I get that there, there's that in some other sports. But I love the fact that for a sport like pickleball, which is based on tennis, it's mini tennis in some ways, the gentleness is expected. And in fact, a good thing to do much more regularly than in so many other racket-based sports, net sports. Yeah. And my, uh, prior to really falling in love with pickleball, uh, I loved badminton for a similar reason. So badminton has this uh, same opportunity to use uh, in, in every sport. Typically you think about, or a net sport, you think about moving your opponent right and left. And when a, the gap between a good badminton player and a badminton player is learning how to move your player forward and back, right? Using the depth of the court instead of the width of the court. And in pickleball, the moment that you know that you're playing with a real pickleball player, with somebody who's spent some time, is that third shot, right? There's a serve, there's a return, and then that third shot is the separator. It's that person who knows what to do. That's the toughest shot in pickleball, right? Because the serve is is thrown into play. The return uh, comes over with very little point, few points are won on the return. And then that's your opportunity. That's your moment to make a decision. What are we gonna do here? And uh, to be able to play that soft shot and use the, the pace of that shot and use the, the lack of pace, really, 
and, and use the gentleness of that shot to move yourself, as we mentioned in the last reason, uh, up to the net. Uh, that's my favorite part of the game. Uh, using that touch, using that uh, approach, uh, and and really taking the the power swing in many ways out of it. Because if you get four people at the net, you've got uh, uh, somebody waiting for a mistake, right? You've got uh, a very interesting new game that happens up at the net. And I, I think that that's, our, uh, that's so true in so many sports that aggression wins, right? Mm-hmm. And in this case, uh, the softer, gentler approach. And that does parallel for us. So uh, in many ways, we think even in, in our response to others, that aggression, even aggression and argument wins. And yet we know people that uh, are filled with the fruit of the spirit and that gentleness comes through and that gentleness uh, takes people off guard uh, much like much like a a gentle shot and it's extremely effective in accomplishing a goal whatever that goal is so yeah great job i love that one i i think we were um we were thinking along the same lines as i as i jumped to my third here because I started to get into the uniqueness of the game as well, because there are so many things I appreciate about pickleball in contrast to some other racket sports. And I, I'm just going to point to one thing that you mentioned. There are two unique skills here, or sorry, unique rules to this game. And you can actually teach the game by starting there. You talk about these two unique rules. And the first one is that kitchen, that seven foot line, where everybody's desire is to go all the way up to the net and put the ball away. They, they so desperately want to go to the net, but you have to re, kind of restrain yourself behind this line, and it entirely changes the game. It's so perfectly set. The distance is so perfectly set. People talk about 90 feet being perfect for baseball. This seven feet is perfect for this particular sport, and I I like the precision of that, just the idea that this net game was, and now I'm going to get theological here, it was reformed to include this. And I'm, I can imagine, because I'm a person who creates games all the time, we're, we're people that do that, right? With uh, you know the people that were around, I'm constantly making and refining games. And in this case, I can imagine when they started Pickleball, which was you know a family trying to deter boredom, right? They, they were just trying to come up with something to do. This idea of placing that line, coming up with it first and then placing it must have been a process, right? A reforming process. The other uh, rule that I'm sure they determined, maybe maybe we ought to do this, right? It probably took some time to get there, is the second bounce rule. So it's very strange that you are required to let the serve return, or sorry, the serve return must bounce. So the serve goes over, it bounces, it must bounce in, in the appropriate box. The returner hits the shot over, but you can't serve and volley. You can't serve and move to the front. It's really difficult for tennis people that start out playing tennis and then switch to this game. They often get caught kind of coming to the net after a serve. But such a unique rule that I can imagine, I can, and maybe I'm just thinking um, – you know, projecting on what this was like creating this game. But I think they just discovered it. They discovered these two unique rules. And my parallel here is just this idea of trying to move toward perfection, 
trying to move closer to something that works better. And that's what we're constantly doing in the Christian life, right? We're seeing things. There are disruptions. There are problems. There are things that aren't the way they're supposed to be. And we can't fix them all, so we make small adjustments. We try to uh, reform or adapt in such a way that we're making things more like they ought to be. And to me, this this game in the creation of it must have had this level of reforming. So to me, uh, the creation of this game just gives me um, a, a unique perspective and, and a lot of respect for the process that they went through. We have all these different racket-based and net-based sports and games, right? And they all seem to, to be playing on different features. And they all evolve. Our games always are evolving. Rules are always changing a little bit to accommodate human needs and interests, right? And human abilities as well. And so the, you know, pickleball has its origins, like you said, you know, trying to create something to, to put off boredom. And, and we do that. We have these rules. And we, we say, well, what, what, what makes it, what fits it? What creates the best test? What creates the best um you know, the best interaction between one side and the other, between one opponent and another. We do this in our sports. And so pickleball is this interesting. I love how you said it, this interesting reform from really what, what, what tennis is and how we're, we've created a game that is, is quite playable to a broader number of people than so many other uh, racket-based or net-based sports. It's really interesting. And if we look at other you know, similar groups of sports, they've done those same types of things. There are offshoots, you know, the, the way in which football is played in its different instantiations, rugby, American football, Australian rules, football, soccer, all these different things started out similarly. And then you just say, well, this works better in this context. This works better in this context, or this group of people likes this better than this, you know? And so we have these games that change and it really shows human intelligence and, and really a, a human ability to, to listen to each other, to, to get it right, to try to understand what's, what is best to solve problems. And these, these problems being unnecessary problems, right? The, the parallel to theology is that, in, you know, theologically we've understood these things differently. And really, the, the the church and its different denominations and instantiations have have run a parallel structure that one group sees this as being best, this little minute detail; another group sees this minute detail as being being best, and and differences sort of grow from there in terms of how how we worship, how we operate within the church hierarchy or structure. So, I think there's an interesting parallel there. I really like that. I like how you've They've used that word reform there as a as sort of a theological word. You know, I uh, as we kind of extend this out, I'm trying to think, uh, Chad, do you play doubles mostly or do you play singles? I play mostly doubles, yeah. I think the game is built, at least I think, for doubles. I, I much prefer doubles to singles. It's a very different game in singles, uh, which makes it, it more fun. You get four people together and, and play doubles. So... Uh, Maybe we could have a whole podcast about this, but who would be Jesus' doubles partner? Ah. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, yes. would have to figure. I, I think there there are a lot of options here. We just have to figure out who it might be. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, well, you know who you know who would want to be. Well, uh, probably you know the brothers. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. They would, I want to be on the right hand side. Ones. Exactly. Absolutely. They'd be the they first ones to ask. Sides, probably, but yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, you know they'd be at the, the first in line to ask for sure. Man, maybe that's the reason why Jesus would stay at, with singles. I I don't know. You know, Peter would have a temper. You know, probably pretty aggressive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, would. And as soon as the match is done, you know, he would probably he would throw Jesus under the bus, and then and then and then actually apologize for that. Of course, yeah, you know, exactly. That. Yeah, <laughs> there, we we've got a lot of options here. Maybe 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 Mary, right? Um, yeah. You know, mix, yeah. mixed doubles that 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 could work. They really know each other well, so. 
I don't know. There's lots of different possibilities here that uh, we'll spend another podcast spend, um, maybe unpacking that really important question. Yeah, sure is. <laughs> sure is. All right, well, let me hear your reason why Jesus might not play pickleball. Okay, so uh, maybe you can hear it, but uh, I play pickleball now and I really like it. So I, I couldn't come up with much in terms of this. Um, and so that my mine's pretty bad. Uh, I'll, I'll, it's good that I'm going first. All right. So that maybe the reason Jesus wouldn't play is, you know, both in both the Old and New Testament, the naming of something is really important. Uh, the the name of people, the name of places, uh, the, the name of even uh, events uh, that happen, festivals, those sorts of things. The naming is really important, and it had it had real meaning. And this particular sport uh, acquired its name in such a random way that it is a little off-putting. So I think Jesus might rename the sport and then play. Uh, pickleball came from a family, like I said, that uh, decided to you know cut some paddles out of plywood and make it happen. There's a legend that their dog was named Pickles or something like that, and uh, that that acquired it. But then the, the family, even themselves, when when asked about that, said, no, the dog came after the game. So the, the dog was actually named for hmm. the game. Um, and so I think it was named after a boat or something. It's just not a very good story. So I, I'm just going to say that the, the name Pickleball it's kind of off-putting. People are like, is that a real sport? Is that a real thing? You're going to go do what? Uh, and I think that's been a little bit of its um, it, the reason it's gotten traction so slowly. Yeah, I I agree with you. I don't think this is, that's a bad answer. I think it's you know it, it's hard to come up with a good answer, right? Mm. With with people. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree with you. I think this is this is uh, engaging in a in a, a really fun fun way that's maybe less less deep than some of our other answers but I, I, sure. I, I like that and um yeah the name i agree i that's that was off-putting to me at, at first when i started hearing about the sport like this is called what oh, really I, that doesn't, makes no sense right makes no sense yeah there's there's nothing to describe what's going on in the action hmm. at all um anyways I, I agree with you my my reason would be similarly uh shallow and, and potentially bad too but um <laughs> the idea is uh in my mind in, in pickleball, uh, as much as you want to get up to the net, uh, you have to avoid the net. You can't get right up there in the net. In fact, and you don't want the ball to go into the net, which isn't unique to net sports in general, racket sports in general. But, uh, yeah, there's something with Jesus in that, that team of his that he recruited, uh, those disciples that he, he took and basically showed them the way by filling their nets. You know, and net was something that was the central analogy to what Jesus did, that is, you know, you're going to be fishers of men now, you know, casting your nets out to, to catch people. And and here in pickleball, we have the sport where the net is something that you're trying to uh, avoid with your shots. And also you can't approach as a person, really, uh, you know, to be in that ideal position that you want to be. For instance, so in tennis, if you're right up on the net, we call it the IVP, the ideal volley position. And you can't be in that area uh, for pickleball. So you're staying away from the net. And so there's something maybe about that that language that, that that makes me think, yeah, that there's there's a there's a problem there. You know, there's something really negative about a net. I suppose if you're a fish, right? That uh, I have now been caught. Uh, but Jesus ten tended to use the idea of a net and the uh, 
the placement of a net in terms of an analogy in a positive light, right? Um, and all racket sports, we we curse the net, right? That that net, ah, it hit the tape, right? Yeah. Just yeah. missed it. We don't like that net at all. So I, I think you're you're headed in a good direction there. That uh, we we don't think of the net as our friend for sure. We it's a barrier that keeps us from hitting a great shot. Um, and so, yeah, I, I like that. It uh, it uh, is right along the lines of, of my naming concern, <laughs> uh, right right in that same space. Yeah. So, folks, I, I don't know if you've heard it in our voices, but uh, maybe it's because of our age, right? You get to a certain point, and a lot of the games you played in your youth are just less accessible. Pickleball, the, nobody brought it up, but pickleball is accessible through most of life. Um, people will say that about a handful of sports, but there's no uh, jumping and landing. Um, I would say that I, uh, and I put this in my book as well, that uh, playing in a pickleball tournament once, I was in the final game ready to win the tournament, and I tweaked something in my knee, and ultimately I ended up winning the tournament and having to have knee surgery. So it is not a gentle sport necessarily. There's still a, a significant amount of pounding, um, and depending on how hard you play, a lot of really quick stops, uh, things that uh, can cause injury. But people play. I mean, older folks play. It can be played pretty much through life lifetime if you can if, if you're ambulatory at all. You can you can get around and play this game. Uh, so I, I think what you're hearing from us is that we're we're both really appreciative that it's out there, and we invite all of you, just like the pickleball community, to go out find a paddle and uh, a few friends and go play pickleball learn the game thanks very much and we'll talk to you next time thanks for listening to the sport faith life podcast find previous episodes at sportfaithlife.com and on apple podcasts We're releasing each episode with a blog post authored by our guests, so you can find the blog for this podcast and other posts at the same website, sportfaithlife.com.